Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. This is the show where every week we look at movies that made a lot of money and we think, huh, we live in a society. Which society is that? Uh, I'm in Jersey City. You know who you else know was in state, Jersey though? City? Whoa, Frank Sinatra? No, a man named Joaquin Phoenix when he was filming a certain true. film. I don't know if that's true. Hey, we're the, we're the hosts of this show. <laughs> I'm Christian Masinson, and with me, as always, is uh, Pawan Mehta. Pawan, you're very excited about Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know if he filmed any of his scenes in Jersey City. What, were they all in Newark? I Because well, I'm watching the movie. Uh, this week, we're talking about Joker. Just drop it. Anticlimactic. Joker. Sorry, yeah, Joker. <laughs> Joker. So I'm watching the movie. I'm like, huh, where are they filming in Jersey City? Because I thought it was the ending. And so they're, they're the ending with the, the cop car. I'm like, that doesn't look like Jersey City. But then we get to the Waynes. I'm like, that does look like Jersey City. That looks like Journal Square because I saw them. I saw If anything, I thought the, air, the part where he was just walking past all the, the beginning. The beginning looked like Jersey City. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, what film are you talking about today? You already said it. We're talking about the joke man himself. Oh. Robin Williams? No. Sadly, no. We're talking about joke R. And, it, and there is an R there for a very good reason, because this is the first movie... Uh, that actually made a billion dollars that actually had an R rating. So that's what, yes. that's why it's joke R because they needed to let you know in the title that this is an R rated film. The one R rated movie to join the list, this film directed by Todd Phillips with a budget of $70 million opened in the U S on October 4th, 2019. We're gone to gross $96 million in its opening weekend, the highest October debut ever, not at the time, Ever. Well, I mean, at the time, there's only like and now, a couple months and now before movies stopped existing. Come <laughs> on. What about Tenet? I love Tenet. Uh, Joker would be uh, number one for two weekends until it was dethroned by Maleficent Mistress of Evil. Uh, they sure made a little... sequel to Maleficent. Everyone is feeling, feeling a little mischievous that month. Uh, a headline from Pamela, Pamela McClintock at The Hollywood Reporter on November 15, 2019. Box office milestone, Joker crossing $1 billion globally. The film would go on to gross $335 million domestically and $1.074 billion worldwide. At the time, it was the 60th highest grossing film domestically and 31st worldwide currently six at number 62 domestic and still 31st worldwide. Now, Puan, I, I would like to bring up something very interesting about Joker. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it is of, of the nine films in 2019 to make a billion dollars, yes? Mm-hmm. It is the lowest grossing one domestically. Yeah, I was actually fascinated to hear that it made that much money internationally. Yes, worldwide, it made more money than Aladdin, Toy Story 4, and The Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? That, that is surprising. 
Maybe. What, maybe. I got an idea. Well, so you know yeah. how so you know how um for like the Transformers movie and like the Pirates movie, it got really big after like it more or less died out in the States overseas. It got really big overseas after it more or less died out here. Okay. Maybe that happened here. With maybe, the one movie? Maybe that was the ultimate joke on all of us. And it wasn't just the one movie. Joker has been around since 2008. He was in the Suicide Squad movie. Oh, let's ignore uh, two cinematic jokers, Jack Nicholson, Mark Hamill. Yeah, but like, I feel like the cult around it really was like built up in 2008. Sure, I think we'll get into that later on. But that's that original Batman, the burn Batman's ginormous, especially at the time. But before on. We're not talking about 1989 or 2008. We're talking about the now. The now also set in like the 30s. When is this movie set? 80s, 70s. 80s. When is Taxi Driver? Uh, I think that's 1980. Then it's 80. What happens in the 2019 80s, 70s? All right. So we get an introduction to this man just going about his business, being a clown, holding up a sign, you know, doing his thing. And then these hooligans, these ruffians, come up, steal his sign, and then beat the shit out of him. And then we see his life at home. It is not great. His mother is uh, ill in her own right. He goes to work. And then one of his buddies, in quotes, buddies, in quotes, gives him a gun. And then he brings that gun to a hospital with children now that's kind of fucked up if you ask me i don't know about you that's kind of fucked up i may say it's fucked up some may say you should be fired for that and that's that's exactly what happens and then he goes onto the subway and then he gets the shit being out of him by some other ruffians but these are rich ruffians and because they're rich they don't deserve to live so he murders all of them And then a whole caper happens where throughout the entire thing, he's not doing anything to exacerbate circumstances outside of what he's dealing with on a personal level. He is not political, yet he leads a movement that overthrows the late night talk shows, that overthrows the Waynes, that overthrows the uh, police, that overthrows society. We're in a Joker society now. That's, that's what we're living in, okay? This is a Joker society. And that's Joker. Sorry, Joke R. Juan, we started this podcast almost a year ago now. And from the very start, this is the episode I was most excited for and scared for. Because <laughs> I have no clue what we think of this movie. For I don't know what I think of this movie. <laughs> So you didn't see this. I'm Joker because I laugh and I cry at the same time. You didn't see this in theaters, right? I did not. I actually, so here's the situation that I was in. I had a friend in college who's uh, one of their parents was a part of the uh, Screen Actors Guild or like the Oscars uh, committee. So like they got the screener DVDs. And um 
I may or may not have had access to said DVD for a while, and I still didn't watch it. <laughs> That's the most joke thing right there. Perhaps, possibly, t- doing something illegal like that, and then perhaps not watching it. I don't know what to think of this movie. Because on the one hand, there's the movie, and on the other hand, more so than Aladdin, there's the reputation of the movie. So although I don't love this movie, I do Why bring up Aladdin specifically for that? Because Aladdin has no reputation at all. Hmm. Okay. I feel like this is the easy joke answer when you talk about movies. Mm -hmm. And I don't love the movie. I do think there's stuff to it. I think it's a very well-crafted movie, but I think it's trying to do so much that nothing goes through. So you you told me that I should probably watch Taxi Driver before watching yes. this one. Did I did you? do that. All right. And um, I found that movie fascinating. It but fascinating. I was... Uh, I was curious going in, like, what's what's going to happen with this Joker movie that everyone says is like uh, this one? You know, maybe they'll do some interesting stuff with it. Maybe they'll make some fun stuff happen. It really yeah. is the same movie. With one key difference, oh. which is what makes this feel so much worse. Hmm. See, the thing about Taxi Driver is you shouldn't sympathize with the taxi driver. You shouldn't empathize with the taxi driver. He's supposed to be an asshole that you see as like this like individual who, yeah, people hang out with, but they're like kind of scared of at the same time. Yes. Okay, so you're saying you should, hmm. And it, and it feels like- yes. And it feels like Todd Phillips saw that movie or like I get, I get the sense from the way that this is shot, that the people who made it thought that he was, he was a victim of circumstance. They just didn't show the circumstance when that was the furthest thing from the truth for taxi driver, which again, another thing is I found it fascinating that I, saw more of what the creators thought of Taxi Driver than they think of the character of Joker. In this movie? In this movie? Yes. Because of the two things everyone brings up is that it's Taxi Driver and Kings of uh, Comedy, I think is the other Scorsese movie. I've only seen Taxi Driver. Watch that after I watched Joker. Really weird experience watching that after Joker. I, I do think this movie wants you to empathize with Joker. Because there are pe- because most people will say no, I'll never empathize with Joker. And I think, I think the movie wants to paint it as not just the one person. So much builds to, to that. It's not just the event that happens. So much builds up to it. Am I wrong? See, I don't that's... think the movie. I don't think the movie thinks the Wall Street dude should have died, but I don't think the movie wants them to be the the angelic victims that they were when they caused the scuffle so i'll bring it back to taxi driver for a second okay a decision i found very fascinating in that movie 
was how his initial plan was to kill the uh, president-elect. Or like yeah. you get that sense, but he ran away and wasn't, he was thwarted in that, but he redirected his aggression to something that society considered positive. Yes. Which when, I find spoilers alert for. I don't know if we ever do spoilers for movies, not talk, not the topic here of the show, but spoilers for Taxi Driver, I guess. Go watch Taxi Driver. Scorsese's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just found it fascinating that there is that societal look at it where it, they do see him as a hero. But as the audience watching the whole film, you know that he isn't that sort of person that should be yeah. venerated in that sense. He's not trying whereas, to be a hero. And, and the media kind of warps it into this heroic moment. Which whereas I think him. Joker kind of wants to do that. It wants to have its cake and eat it too. I, Joker, I think, is trying to address stuff Tax Driver doesn't. I think, okay, the whole uh, let me, let mental me, let me, let me, illness let me, aspect. Let me, let me say. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Because maybe I'm just, I, I didn't latch on to that tax driver too much when I saw it a couple months ago. But I, 2019 is a weird year because a lot of themes just repeat throughout it. Number one being this theme of empathy, which I think Joker wants to tackle, which we also get in stuff like Knives Out and, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Jojo Rabbit. But then you also get the class warfare that you see in Joker, that you see in Parasite, that you see in Knives Out. I think uh, Ready or Not is supposed to have a little of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think those are tackled as much in Tax Driver, right? I'm not crazy. Which aspect? Either social uh, class warfare or empathy. Am I crazy? Uh, I mean, the whole point is you're not supposed to have empathy for the character. Yeah. Uh, class classism is a thing it's not class warfare but i digress i I think i think this movie does want you to sympathize with joker and that was my biggest problem after the first watch was that why do you empathize with this person that's this symbol this image of of pure evil right joker's been a long-lasting figure for what 80 something years as a bat for as a batman villain and then especially uh, I mean the best joker is train joker and you can't convince me otherwise is what joker uh train joker he's on a train like he, like the band train i'm very confused no 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 like the you know the caboose of a train okay it's, it's a joker yeah which iteration of batman is this? what this batman was in the comics <laughs> Oh my god. I wish I read comics sometimes. I really Of course, of course we were denied the uh possibility of what could have been the greatest joker. Uh Drew Carey. Wait, what? Whoa, wait. Is is that that's the guy from uh whose line is it anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, was it supposed to be Drew Carey Joker? What is this? Yeah. You've never seen the sh- You've never seen the behind the scenes like scenes where he uh, dons the makeup and does his Joker. What are you talking about? It exists. It's online. What? Are you serious? I am 100% serious. He's the Joker, baby. I gotta watch this later. What? I'm very confused.
Okay, let's move on. I'm very confused. So yeah, I, I I forgot how we got here. I think this movie wants to tackle a lot. I do think it wants you to empathize. The problem is there are people, you know, most of us won't want to try to empathize with with a mass murderer. See, I think it goes beyond that because there's also the incel aspect to it. There's the uh, red pilliness. Yes. Which the character from Taxi Driver was also an incel. I th- right. I feel like more so than this one, maybe. Still, it's there. The thing is, in Taxi Driver, again, we're not supposed to sympathize with this character. He's a douchebag. We know that. But in this one, they try to they try to play it both ways. And I ain't well, I think that. it's I think it starts off. What Taxi Driver never really paints him as like this child, this 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 delicate figure that's broken, right? I feel like Joker, he's broken by halfway point, and then that's when he turns. Because if you if you look if you look at those opening scenes, Joaquin's very much doing this this uh, delicate child like spirit to to Arthur. Mm-hmm. And again, it's and it's 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 such a meme say in a society, but it's it's how society breaks him down. He he went to the social worker, and then she was like, "Yeah, we we can't." We can't do anything for you. See, that's and another then, scene I don't fully get because like well, he, he was chewing her out for not doing anything in the first place. So how am I supposed to feel bad when the thing that he thinks isn't helping him at all is gone? My question is, is it supposed to be a literal she's not helping him or is it unreliable narrator? He, he's not gained from her because he's so in his head. Okay, even in, even in the unreliable narrator case... There's okay in that case. There's so many elements of this movie that are just up in the air that yes. there's nothing to latch on to. Oh, I agree. Like but I don't know what the you... fuck that final scene was. I don't know either. The him back in 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 the asylum. Yeah. I think it wants to be a oh did it really happen? Did it not happen? Type of thing. And yet, I don't know why I'm mesmerized by that final scene. I go back to watch it every now and then on YouTube. And then, and then he starts singing along to Sinatra. And then the song plays as he runs down the hallway, towing toward the light. And then you see the blood stains on the... And then I'm like, I don't know why I'm mesmerized by this movie every now and then. It's a fascinating piece of movie. And I... You know what? I do think we're better off with it than without it. Because mm. as tired as we get of superhero movies, at least it is trying something different with the superhero genre. See, the right? thing is, the thing is, what the sense I get from this movie is that they're like, you know, Todd Phillips in interviews have said, like, when asked, like, why he didn't make another comedy or something in a while. And he's like, you try making a comedy in this environment and all that. Yeah, which gives me the sense that he was trying to make a movie that he think that he thought would generate money and all that. Like he thinks that would fit in with the current cinema landscape. So he thought, "How do I?" El-? This is all conjecture on my part. This is all conjecture. Is ever part. worried about making money? Maybe not money, but like to be a part of the conversation, sort of thing. So where does War Dog come into it? 
I don't know what War Dogs is. Is that a comedy? It is. Kind of. Um, this movie feels very cynical to me in the sense that it's just yes. like, okay, how do we elevate the superhero movie to make it, you know, like an Oscar thing, a culturally significant piece? Let's let's merge it with this other piece of cinema that's widely regarded as important in cinema history. That that's the sense that I got watching it. Well, then that's a, then there's the question of art. Like everyone's always inspired by art. I I I no one hates on ten things I hate about you for being a Shakespeare ripoff. That's fine, but the thing is, like, it feels so much connected to that that i don't even get a sense of the whole uh you know superhero batman all that about it other than the names that exist oh yeah which i think is is them trying to do something it is it is i use the, the the sad truth is that art is a mixture of creativity and business and so he wouldn't be able to make this movie if it wasn't called joker right and by well, yeah, stuff, he couldn't have. They, they couldn't have made it if it was just called joke because they had to let you know about the R rating sure. in the title. Sure, but as 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 a group, as as messy as this movie is, my least favorite parts, the parts I truly hate, are the Bruce Wayne shit. I did not need to see a cut to Bruce Wayne and his parents going out of the theater and and the the parents getting shot. Yeah, but but I think. Sadly, that's how you you can get a, a budget this big for a movie. How big was the budget? Seventy million dollars for an R-rated movie. Like probably the Deadpool movies are the only movies that are R-rated that get that much money. Hmm, that's a lot of money. Okay. And so I don't like it that it has to be connected to it, but I appreciate something different of the comic book genre. Right, it's that's my thing with because as much as as much as I hate stuff about this movie, the stuff I respect about this movie, and so I I will always be pushed and pulled by this movie. Um, I wanted to like this movie. I thought I'd like it more on the second watch, and I'm just still confused. But go on. But it feels like every element of it is shallow in some sense or another, or like. Because they're wishy-washy about the existence of certain events happening, you don't really get a, a statement either way about anything. The pawn super rats. Why are they super rats? Like the whole mental illness thing. It feels like it's just a catch-all term the way this movie is using it. Yes, but I also I don't. Is that a real uh, condition? What, uh, the laughing thing? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but the way they use that word, it just feels like just... Which word? Mental illness specifically, like those two words. It just feels like a bludgeon in the sense of like, it's a stigmatizer in in itself. They don't use the, they don't say mental illness in this movie, right? They do. They just, I feel like it's just people calling him crazy. They do both. Which is kind of the point right the fact that other people are just judging him 
based off of his condition without like asking him getting to know oh what you have a slim thing let me let me what's your thing and they're all making judgments on him based off of his condition without knowing his whole story right because no one asks him oh what can i do to help make it better or easier or, or can i get you a glass of water to help you like would that help you everyone just so oh he's crazy or <laughs> look at his dumb ass that's the other thing the world around him feels so cartoonishly against him but that's the point of it is it not he has that line that everyone just feels like everything's going crazy or whatever and doesn't it feel like it's sometimes that the world is just everyone is so negative and angry all the time so there's a okay what I will say is that it's good that I did not see this movie in theaters. Why? Because I would have been the Joker laughing in the theater. There are, but there were some <laughs> weird moments in the theater. Like I, when he first comes out in his full Joker gear, I remember a dude cheering and being excited about Joker. I'm like, oh no, that's no, not, I, I don't think that's what I would have been Joker laughing in the theater. That's what I'm saying at the wrong times this is a weirdly funny movie though like honest it's so funny how cartoonish that the scenes where he gets beat up is it's so ridiculous is that not the point when is he beat up it's the one time in the beginning and then later on in the subway right which yeah i get it it's the exact same type it's so it's the exact same thing so it shows his growth quote unquote but <laughs> It's just too funny. It's too funny. <laughs> but I, I, my thing with the, the first fight, right, is I never understood why the kids beat him up. But like them beating him up for the hell of it feels like a kid thing to do. I'm like, oh, fuck. It's because they live in a society. I'm like, oh, no. I, just, I don't know how I feel about this movie a lot. <laughs> and like, I, I feel like it's weird that most of the people that are, are somewhat nice to him are black and like those are the only black characters in the movie well i feel like most of the minor characters are black and i i part of me is like mm, that's weird that they're only in minor roles but isn't that also kind of them trying to say that there's a lot of black people in 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 the in lower class and I, then i'm like oh why can't joker be black i'm like no joker has to be white because of the 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 mass shooters are always white men. And just, ah! I'm so conflicted. Another thing I will say is uh, during the interview scene, I fully, I, I finally got why this movie has specifically the diehard audience that it does. Wait, which interview scene? Uh, the On the Late Night Show. Where he sure. gives his screed that feels completely disconnected from the rest of the movie. We'll get into that later. My we'll thing get is, into that later. I have no, a specific no, no. point I'm trying to make. Okay, go, go. Um, there's that line where he says, I'm not political. And that connected its audience with the, this movie for me so well. I think that's... that's it, it's, it's, not trying, it's not saying it's good that he's not political. I think it's but the that audience it has. <laughs> then, but no, then it's no, always no, the I'm, problem of yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about the movie at this sp specific yeah, juncture. Yeah. I'm talking about 
because like it's specifically like the type of people who are like anti SJW get politics out of my games is like yeah no politics in this movie about class warfare and mental illness. here's the thing with that right because I, I agree how many people have you spoken to in your life that like Joker and are gigantic fans of it of this movie specifically yeah this movie not I'm not saying many. like two or three. See, so my thing with the fans of this movie is I don't know how many people are just memeing it. No, no, no. These p- people I are literal about it. They are. The ones I I'm talking tell. about are serious. Like these are the same people. <laughs> like there's that one guy who got very upset when the Oscars came out and he saw that Parasite one. <laughs> and he was but like, he was like, who raise your hand if you fucking saw a parasite? No one's raising their hands. And you know what? Let's what about Joker? Let's talk about Joker for a minute. You know, here you have a movie about the poor, about the downtrodden, about the people who are looked down on upon society, the mental illness. And like you have that, and that doesn't deserve an Oscar. <laughs> and that's my thing. Because again, I don't know if I like this movie. I don't like what happened after this movie, all the consequences Again, of it. this feels so much like incel bait. But the fact that, you know, isn't art a reflection of life? And the fact that this movie did that in real life is really fucking scary. Okay. Sure. But I think Taxi Driver did the exact same thing while being pointed about its commentary in that sense. Okay. Which is where I feel like this is lacking. That's fair. I'm not saying this is better than Taxi Driver. No, but I mean like... I'm just saying that's the obvious I'm saying that's why I don't like this. It's not pointed. It, it feels like it's confused about what it's trying to be. Yes. And again, I think, I think once Todd Phillips got carte blanche to do whatever he wanted with this movie, he was like, let me make it the most important superhero movie of all time. And he throws, it feels like he throws everything at the wall, hoping for something to stick. And sadly, he didn't put any glue on the wall, so nothing stuck. But I give it credit for attempting something with the genre. It's attempting more than Endgame. I mean, sure, but there's like a bunch of stuff that's playing around with the genre. Like, hell, I think I'd probably appreciate Brightburn more than this, even though that one's very obvious in its own right. Hmm. Bright, I thought Bright. Which one's Brightburn? Brightburn's the Superman one, right? Yeah, but he's evil. I don't know. I'd like, I like the fact that you know, this kind of implies that maybe more movies, more more risks can be taken on a larger scale. I I don't. This movie is such a conundrum for me. I mean, sure. Because I, but I, I hope feel they like, don't follow the template of this. To oh, sure. I I doubt they'll. Oh, mm. we're gonna get our Thanos movie. Thanos is the villain. You know what? I take that back. I would love if they follow this format, but they bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. I don't mean necessarily taking a villain and making a movie about the villain of whatever franchise. I mean, like, taking this superhero property and mashing it up with classic cinema to make something prestige. 
I, I don't. Which is, I think, a template that can be gleaned from this. It could. And I and think. You know what? Logan also falls into a similar camp, but at least Logan isn't stealing from a specific movie. It's taking from the genre as a whole. Isn't Logan like kind of Western? I don't know. I've been Western. Exactly. I'm, it's I'm not just saying. stealing from a specific movie. It's taking the essence of another genre and imbuing its own movie with that meaning. Here's the thing, personally for me, right? I don't care if they copy a, a formula as long as the product is there. I think we'd be seeing something different if Joker was like the greatest film of all time. Like, oh, good, you, you bought Max Driver. That's incredible. But also you did this and this and this. Honestly, so I don't what, mind that. That's what I was going into this with. I wouldn't mind that. And then I saw this movie and it felt so cynical and how it was ripping off of that and like trying to take the prestige credits in a sense. I'm curious. I'm curious how much it took from um, King of Comedy, which is the other Scorsese film everyone points to as it. Uh, the only thing from. I could think of is maybe like the scene where he actually gets on the late night talk show. Maybe. I don't know what happens in the King of Comedy. That one isn't a heavy drama. It's it's more of just like a failing comedian. So like, yeah, of course. My mind mixes that with the punchline, the other stand-up comedy movie from the 80s. Hmm. But I, again, like, fuck, they got talented people to do this. Sure. And and again, it feels like in that interview scene, they they were really trying to hammer the point home of what they were trying to say or whatever, where Joker's literally mouthpiecing it. I don't but know if it feels like not the rest of the movie just doesn't back it up. Can I bring up something mm-hmm. from a, a podcast I listened to a couple months ago? Um, Empire Magazine had like its 500th issue or, or, or podcast or something. So they had a, a special episode with uh, Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. I feel like you're not going to like what I say, but I, I'm just curious. What do you think? So they were asking Tarantino what it was like, uh, 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 what was it? They were talking about like suspense. And the difference between suspense and, and scary or, or thrilling. And then he brings up Joker. He, he's like, uh, oh, it's a, a kind of one note uh, film, but the talk show scene is one of the greatest scenes I've seen in a movie. And he says it subverts audience expectation because you watch it. And as an audience member, you want Joker to kill Murray. And he's like, I know people who said they don't, but the movie makes you want Joker to kill Murray. And it subverts audiences by making them <sighs> empathize with the killer in the moment, which I don't know. That makes so much I'm sense coming from Quentin Tarantino. It does. It does. <laughs> it's something I think about every now and then just because of it's such a bold claim. But Tarantino says bold claims, for I feel like, for the hell of it sometimes. Yeah, but like also seeing how he finished uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it makes so much sense for him. But doesn't... Because I don't feel like I ever want him to kill Murray. The two times I've seen this. However, I'm at a point in that scene where I go, this is the only logical step for the movie to go. He has to kill Murray. Right? I guess for plot progression, sure. And so... Is that... I'll be honest. I, I was Joker laughing at that moment where he killed Murray. I was Joker laughing. Yes. 
Do you not like the scene? I found myself leaning in toward the TV during that scene. That scene grabs me. And I'll be I'm honest. Terrified by it. That final moment was memed so hard that I just left. Oh, you get what that's, you fucking deserve. That's the thing with memes. I hate memes. Joaquin is going for it there. Joaquin is scary in that scene, but the memes—they went too far. <laughs> the memes went too far. Yeah, I think that I think that's a fascinating scene. If anything, the scene that really got me in that sense, where it just felt too over the top for me. The the scene where, in a sense, this I felt I realized I do not want to watch this movie ever again. Uh, was when he killed his buddy with the scissors. That's that's the scene where I cringe the most. Out, yeah. out of fear. And just it it wants you to see that he's gone full Joker mode. <laughs> I, I I know how funny that's but because yeah. no, the only one when, when he killed the men on the on the train, right? But the lights go off when the gun is shot, so you don't actually see it happening. Except maybe the third one. I can't remember how he kills the third dude who's crawling up the stairs. He shoots him in the back. But it's not as bloody as anything else we've seen. Then you mm. get the mom, but he's, he's, he, he chokes her. She's Again, off screen. That moment was so funny. It was so funny. <laughs> because I thought my life was a tragedy. Now I realize it's a comedy. <laughs> Yeah, that scene doesn't work for me. I don't know why it doesn't work. I'm the Joker. <laughs> but then, yeah, you get that scene where he kills the other, the dude who gave him the gun. I want to say that the film wants you to question whether or not he actually gave him the gun. What do you mean? Like, maybe it could be, because the employees at the clown place what is it? Clown ha Emporium? Can we call it an Emporium? No, it was ha-ha's. called Haha's. That was literally the name of the place, Haha's. <laughs> They're so back and forth with Arthur, right? The guy gives him the gun, and then he's like, oh, Arthur had a gun. Or the he goes in the boss, and the, third, the boss is like, how are you doing? All, all the other employees think you're crazy. And then later on calls him crazy. And so... I think there's a part of the movie that might be asking you to question whether or not Arthur brought the gun himself or the dude gave him the gun. But then the dude's like, hey, what did you tell the cops? I want to make sure our story. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't have that question at any point. But yeah, uh, as soon as he kills thing... him, that's the, the, the that's full Joker <laughs> mode. I'm sorry. That's the only way I could explain it. The other thing I just wasn't about was um, the, the dude with dwarfism. Like it felt like they were making a lot of jokes on, on him. I do remember the with scene. the lock. Yes, I do remember everyone just awkwardly, scarily laughing at that as soon as it happened. I but outside of that, right? Are there jokes at his okay expense other than people being assholes? There's also the point just is that the, the people are assholes. Th- there's also just the individual lines about it where like. Arthur says, you were the only person who was ever nice to me. I don't recall a single time they ever interacted where he wasn't laughing at it. No, and the like they didn't he, have a direct conversation. It's the fact that he never laughed at Arthur. Everyone else. No, was I mean, Arthur was and, and just laughing at him. Like that's the only interaction I've ever yeah. seen between the two of them. 
Yeah. It was a real friendship. But the fact that that the and I don't know the character name or the actor's name, but the fact that he never said mean things to Arthur was the reason that Arthur was like, I'm gonna save you. Is it a fucked up way of showing empathy? Yes. But this movie also just kind of wants to be fucked up for the sake of being fucked up at times, right? It's it's again. I said this like 80 times on this podcast. What the fuck is this movie? One thing I will say, and you know what was my final Joker laugh moment? What? Uh, (laughs) When they rescue him from the cop car and he goes on the roof on the hood of the cop car and just starts doing his Joker dance. Did you do you not like when he does the Joker dance? Was it? I initially too hard? thought it was I... gonna be just one scene, but like it felt like they were just hamming it up every time it came back. It does happen a lot more than I remember it. Well, I don't know. It's him. It's him at the most him. Right? That's when he's his most complete. And it's not something you're you enjoy bless you but the point is that that's him at his most comfortable and so he's able to express himself like that right that's why after he kills them after he kills the wall street people he runs out he goes in the bathroom he feels what he feels and then he starts dancing he's at home alone he's dancing Right before he goes on Murray, he's dancing again into into character for his entrance. Also, by the way, uh, having Robert De Niro as um, Murray, greatest Easter egg I've ever seen in a movie. Great it's Easter egg. It's so on the nose that the movie she, that's paying homage at best to track Taxi Driver has a De Niro, but De Niro is so fun in this movie. It's, it's such a great Easter egg. I like De Niro in this movie. He's fun. Uh, he's not an Easter egg. You know who's an Easter egg? Brian Tyree Henry, who's in one scene. No, no, no. Mark no. Marin, who's in one scene. No, no, no. They're not Easter eggs because they're not callbacks to anything specific. See, Robert oh. De Niro's a callback to Taxi Driver. Do, do Easter eggs have to be callbacks? Wasn't the first Easter egg like, hey, you found my Easter egg? That's not a callback. Sure, 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 sure. But I feel like that that, uh, those are just one scene characters, whereas Robert De Niro, that's an Easter egg for true cinephiles in the audience. See, the average moviegoer will be like, oh, hey, Robert De Niro's having fun in this role. But the true cinephiles will be like, ah, ha, ha. He was the taxi driver man before, but now he's the killed man. Do you remember when briefly Scorsese was going to be a producer on this? Wasn't he? He he wasn't at the end. He he left it eventually, but for a while he was. So I wonder if that's part of how they got Scorsese and uh, uh, De Niro in it. You know who is a producer on this movie? Weirdly, who? Bradley Cooper. Hmm. Bradley Cooper had this the year after he did *A Star Is Born*. Good for him. And then, although Scorsese left producing. Uh, a frequent producing partner of his, Emma Tillinger Koskoff, uh, who did who produced uh, Wolf of Wall Street, The Silence and Irishman, also produced Joker. Joker co-written by Todd Phillips and Scott Silver. 
Scott Phil Scott Silver, best known uh, for films such as Johns, The Mod Squad, Eight Mile, and The Fighter. Nice. Um, it's a gorgeously shot film. Would sure. you disagree with that? Sure. Lawrence sure shot this film. Uh, he directed the movie Father Figures. What? <laughs> Do you remember that one? I don't. Owen Wilson and Ed Helms looking for their dad. Is it? Um, is it in the figures universe with hidden figures? You know, I bet if you look, if you dig deep enough into the lore, it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, he also she shot a bunch of comedies, mainly uh, the Dictator, Garden State, The Hangover movies. Godzilla got a King of the Monsters again on this list. Talking about that movie was that. lit. I do, I do really, I think this movie plays with light very well, and there are many scenes when uh, Arthur goes toward the light. That I, I I think are shot beautifully, and I think it's fascinating. The one time he really comes away from the light is that iconic scene when he's dancing on the stairs, running away from the cops. Other than that, he's always going toward the lights, and whether you like it or not, that scene is iconic now. Yo, the Joker stairs caused the, the, cause the problem in Harlem. <laughs> I love the videos of people in their homes looking out their window, and it's them recording Joaquin dance. Like, oh hey, they're filming the movie here. <laughs> so apparently after the release of this movie those stairs became such a tourist destination that the people who yeah. live there are like get the fuck out please uh we gotta mention that funny where it's just like imagine just on your daily commute going home you're going home and then you just see all these people joke or dancing around you with like someone recording <laughs> Come on, you laugh. We would totally do that if we were at those stairs. I mean, I wouldn't do that when everyone else was there at Hold the same on. time doing it. You know we would. I wouldn't. I would not record you doing that. You'd need to find someone else. <laughs> I feel like we got See, I have respect for architecture and its intended uses. Oh, now we're now we're gonna argue the use of stairs. What are stairs used for? Uh, those specific stairs were you were intended to be used to get from one block to another. Unlike the TKTS booth stairs, those you could joke or dance all over. Those were meant to be an attraction. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's weird how often stairs appeared in movies this year. <laughs> Just Joker and Parasite, very important stairs. Two is more than than I would think. I'll be honest. Uh, Parasite had a much scarier moment where, like, it's really oh, yeah. dark, but you s- could still see his eyes. Oh, yeah. From the- oh, yeah. I don't think this movie's trying to be scary. Hmm. It's trying to be horrifying, but it, there's no that creepy moment, right? Right, right. You're more horrified by, by the evolution of Arthur. Uh, going back to talking about that main scene which main scene the the De Niro Where, yeah death scene yeah <sighs> again it 
it's so funny which is like how so many elements of that scene have been memed like uh yeah. the whole you think like a great example is 12 people are dead in tomato town and you think that's funny <laughs> i didn't know that part was memed and he's like i'm tired of pretending like it's not <laughs> yeah that again that's my thing like but like I don't know. specifically I'm, his I'm... monologue specifically his monologue yes it does not feel like it's bolstered by the movie surrounding it but should he have a very pointed monologue arthur is not trying to do anything specifically He's just doing what he's he feels like he has to do against specific people. The Arthur monologue feels like it's being pointed though, while saying that it's not. Against which is what my the one percent? Partially, yeah. Against the politicians, but I'm not political and all that. What else is it pointed at? With the whole, oh, I need help and all that aspect of it. And just There's like a lot of things where it's attacking and it's like, I'm here, but like, mm, yeah. Well, that's my thing with the De Niro character is like, he's supposed to kind of represent the 1%, right? Is and I he? think this movie, well, this movie has a lot to say about media. Because if you think of that scene when he first comes into the mom's place and the mom's like, oh, everyone loves Thomas Wayne. And he's like, who are you talking to? She's like, oh, well, the people on the TV and that relationship between one with the media and the TV. And remember, this movie released in 2019, we're still deep in the Trump presidency. Thomas Wayne, Wayne, totally a Trump figure, is he not? The businessman trying to be a politician? I mean, I guess if you... You also just don't get a sense of Thomas Wayne as a person either. But he's not a person. He's a, he's a figure. He's an image. This movie's all about images. Joker is, is a symbol for this revolution in the movie. Sure, but revolutions are made up of people trying to do something. In the moment. This is... Uh, no, not just in the know. moment. And like, if he's the figurehead for this revolution. What, what did George Washington do? What did George Washington do? Please tell me. I don't know what he did other than he was, he led the revolution. What did George Washington do? What do you mean? What did George What did he do? Yo, him and his buddies were like, yo, fuck tea. I hate tea. And then that was a, a core belief of his personality. Oh, and among all the, all the founding fathers. See that this is the thing that people don't understand. The the nexus point for America, the Boston Tea Party, wasn't necessarily about taxation, without representation. Oh, no. They also just hated tea and how the Britishers kept trying to pawn it off on them. See, so the Juan, thing is, like, were, wait, yeah, hold on, hold on. They're like, you were breaking up. They moved that. from Britain. All right, am, am I here? My internet is unstable. And so we're in and out. Can you repeat all of that once more? Okay, here's my Joker monologue right now. Uh, the Boston Tea Party wasn't about taxation without representation. 
it's because the founding fathers just hated tea. See, they they didn't flee Britain for like finding the new land or whatever. They were just sick of the Britishers and their tea. So they were like, maybe if we escape and go somewhere else, maybe we can live without tea. But then they kept being like, buy tea, buy tea, buy tea. So then the founding fathers were like, yo, fuck tea. Let's push it all over the Hudson. And that was the nexus point for America being founded. Which is why uh, I'm actually a member of the uh, new Boston Tea Party. The not, new Boston Tea Party. Not to be confused with the, the Tea Party, the uh, like offshoot of the, the Republican Party. No, no, I'm part of the Boston Tea Party, which stands on the principle that America was founded on, off of a hatred of tea. So question, with this new party, when mm-hmm. you join it, do you receive your own new 3DS XL? Uh, you get you get a coffee maker sent to your house. <laughs> Going back because you denounce the ways of the of tea, so like you need something to oh. replace it with the caffeine. So like you get the coffee maker. I see. Going back to media, <laughs> yeah, you have the thing with the mom and her her thing with Thomas Wayne. You have. That's yeah, that scene, which is actually very well shot and executed of when they go to sit down to watch Murray and then Arthur imagines himself in the audience and he imagines uh, Murray inviting him up on stage and being like his father figure. And then when he finally sits down with Murray, he realizes Murray's kind of an asshole and he, he isn't what he glorified him to be in his head. This movie's about glorification of, of images all the time. Thomas Wayne is glorified and then uh, he's a total asshole. Joker is glorified at the end, and and he did a lot of bad shit. The 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 Wall Street men are glorified because they were Wall Street men, but they were harassing that lady, and then they beat up Arthur because he's laughing, and they don't know why he's laughing. I don't think the Wall Street men were glorified. Retro, no, not to the audience, but in no, the I world, mean, they even are. in the world, I think it was just like. These three were senselessly murdered. That was about it. Yes. But then I think De Niro was like, oh, they were upheld great individuals. But all we saw were them harassing a woman and then being up Arthur for laughing, something Arthur can't control. Those do not sound like upright standing citizens. Mm. Again, it's messy. I think I, th- I think it's fascinating. I feel like the only person who truly showed Arthur any some any warmth in the moment was Brian Tyree Henry, but then Arthur is so focused on his objective at hand that he just dis- just dismisses any any niceties that that Tyree Henry shows him. Who's who's wonderful in that small part, and then we didn't even talk about Zazie Beetz and all that crap. I mean, we, to be we're, fair, we're not even like talking she... about the parentage stuff there's, there's like a whole on it's fucking movie. sure zazzy beats is there but what are they saying with her because she well, feels more like a prop than a character she is but she's supposed to be a prop he doesn't see her as a he as a real human being which fine
right? You're not supposed. He's not. He doesn't look at her as human. He thinks of her as this savior who will who will ground him and bring him happiness. And it turns out, no, he he met her one time in the elevator. That was also a really good Easter egg to a uh, taxi driver, by the way. That that first uh, meeting with her in the elevator. Why elevator? I don't how. Uh, she she did the the fingers to the head and then. The, oh sure sure sure. That that's a great Easter egg. <laughs> to off forgotten uh, underground film taxi driver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh you oh underground like uh um you ever hear of uh, uh, uh um you know what I'm thinking of um the one with uh that Orson Welles one um fuck uh Mank. Why do you keep bringing up Mank? <laughs> it's just fun to say Mank. <laughs> say it. I mean, I already said Mank. I said it again. I was going to jokingly say Citizen Kane. I thought it'd be funny if I switched to Mank last minute. Also, I just like to say Mank. A film I don't hate. I feel like... <laughs> you know what? You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do our own watch mojo top 10 easter eggs and joker <laughs> you ready you got number 10 for me <laughs> number 10 brian tyree and zazie beats both of them are stars at atlanta todd phillips obviously a big star a big fan no, 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 of atlanta. No, no. Yeah, okay you know what? i wasn't specific enough uh let's let's go easter eggs to taxi driver <laughs> hold on i don't care that much about taxi driver <laughs> I know, but I just it's think this would be fun. In my memory. It's not fresh in my memory. You okay, can write fine. an article about right. it and, and pitch it to Number around, nine. Especially. That Number moment ten. where uh, uh, Joker hands the lady in the bus the card saying that he has a mental illness is much like similar scenes in other movies. <laughs> Number eight. Joker dances in New York City, which is a homage to West Side Story. Number seven. Uh, we have the main character, Joker, who's known for his existence in Batman movies and other related medias. <laughs> and scene. We, we got six through one left, man. Come on. We didn't even do ten. <laughs> we did. You started with 10, and then I did not. Sorry that we didn't do 10. <laughs> I like how he says, Murray. Not Murray. Murray. That's fun. I, wanted, I want to mention, because I, I haven't mentioned it yet, uh, and I'll try to mention, music by Hilder. I don't know if you looked at Hilder's last name. There's a symbol that I just do not know. It's, uh, it's like Guna Daughter or something like that. Something like that. Shout out to you for knowing that off the top of your head. Uh, I this... mean, <laughs> the reason why I remember that is because uh, the last name is very similar to the last name of one of the main characters in Sense8. And I was just oh. watching that around the same time that the Oscars for this was happening. So, yeah. She's, she, uh, she won the Oscar for best score. I think the score is terrific. There are times when that score really hits that, like, uh, there's like this banging of a of maybe a drum or something percussive during that Murray scene, but doesn't really start until Arthur really gets 
uh, really goes in. Mm-hmm. And when De Niro is shot, the music continues, which is fascinating. As 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 it doesn't, that's not the climax. It's still building off of that. And then um, I like some uh, kind of like a little strings hitting when he he draws the blood on the face. And and obviously that first dance scene where the music hits is 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 is, is incredibly shot and and the music is is terrific in that. Uh, she I if I'm correct, she's the second woman to ever win the Oscar for best original score, hmm. which is fucking badass. Uh, and she did like Chernobyl also. She she's talented and she's a rising star. Speaking of Oscars, this film was nominated for eleven Oscars. This film was the most nominated film at the Oscars of the year of Parasite, 1917, Little Women, Once Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman. No, Joker was the most nominated film. Little Women was really slept on. As much as it was slept on, it's about six nominations, I think, which is a solid toll. But yeah, this is the most nominated film we've talked about since Lord of the Rings had 11 nominations. But this didn't get Best Picture. First Best Picture nominee since Up, I want to say. No, sorry, Black Panther and then Up. We don't have a lot of Best Picture nominees in this 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 group. No, not Up. Toy Story three, other picture. Yeah, nominees. I was about to say what Up. We didn't call, talk about. Call me up. out for my bullshit, Pawn. Call me out for my bullshit. Uh, Eleven nominations. They include. Is there a separate page for their awards and accolades? Ah, accolades received by Joker. I don't know. Did I like the score to Little Women more? Oh, I do love that score. I think here's the thing. I think you're. It's okay to like the Little Women score more than Joker. I don't like it, but I am moved by it. Hmm. Which is my thing with this movie. It moves me. I don't enjoy it, but it moves me, and I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, eleven nominations: sound mixing, sound editing, original score, makeup and hairstyling. Film editing, costume design, cinematography, adapted screenplay, actor, director, and picture. Two wins in score. And Joaquin Phoenix finally won his Oscar for this movie. It was also quite a speech he gave. (laughs) Oh, it was quite a speech. And then it ends with him thanking his brother. And we're all like, oh, that's a good speech. We're just ignoring the animal abuse stuff he's talking about in that speech. Yeah. Kind of like this movie. He throws stuff at the walls and sees what spits. He, um, he but... truly was Joker mode when he was given that. Here's the thing. He's fucking incredible in the movie. Like, I don't want him to win his Oscar for Joker, but I, I'm not going to say it's not deserved. He gives mm-hmm. his all and, and it, it, it moves me. I'm trying to remember what else I've seen him in because I recently saw him in Signs, but like what else? The Master? Right. The Master? Yes. That also feels like an interesting parallel to this as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people online will say The Master was, he did the same thing as he did in Joker. Um, I, I, I think Joker, he gets to be unleashed a little bit more than he was in The Master. Master is a little more subdued and quiet and and there's a lot more tension in it than Joker. Uh, he's wonderful in both, as wonderful as you can be in uh, this, 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 an individual like this. Uh, Brother Bear, obviously, star of Brother Bear. Tell everybody I'm on my way. Her. He's so oh, wonderful yeah. in her. 
complete 180 from from Joker. He has he has this new movie come out called Come On Come On. Supposed to be wonderful. They just released the posters for it today, and it looks delightful and kind of charming. It's uh, Mike Mills who did 20, 20th Century Women, who which I love very much. Yeah, this is this is a weird movie. I mean, I might not have liked it, but it did make me go Joker mode or sicko mode. So, like, take with that what you will. I want to once again just bring up how darkly hilarious this movie is. You know, I was laughing. Okay, go. I was laughing at this movie the same way I was laughing when I was watching The Lobster. Oh, that's one I got rewatch. That one is a comedy, and it's a dark comedy. But like, I. I was getting weird looks in the theater for laughing at the dark comedy moments. It's like, are we watching the same film? Well, Juan, you know, as Joker says, comedy is subjective. And I feel like that's just dark comedy in in general. Some people are on board and laughing. Other people are just so disturbed by it, they won't laugh. I'm like 50-50 on that. Okay, okay. There's a difference between that. Because for this moment, it was literally, I was laughing at the scene the two elderly people in front of me turned around and gave me a stern look. And uh, yeah. I was with my buddy at the time and he, he had to be like, yo, calm down. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, it's, it's so fucked up. It's hilarious when he, uh, Arthur is like, you can go and just forgets about the chain. Or the lock, that's hysterical. The other one I really think is hysterical when he's dancing and he's in his zone. He's dancing at Children's Hospital. Everyone's on board. No one's judging them. Everyone's happy. He's killing it as a clown. And out of nowhere, the gun drops like the beat. And I laugh my ass off. That's hysterical. Uh, honestly, though, <laughs> the way the gunshot goes off against uh, Marte. Oh, when he's, when he's dancing. Wait. No, no, no oh, I'm talking okay. like the you get what you fucking deserve. Yes, that's memed, but also it just feels like a Pratt like <laughs> moment. How so? Just the way it was. It felt like a comedy gag where it's like you know you see the gun and just you just go like bang. <laughs> yeah, the 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 move it happens so quick and so fast. At such breakneck speed, De Niro falls back in his chair. Uh, I thought you'd bring up when he's watching. Um, is it Shall We Dance? I don't know if it's the Fred Astaire scene. He's watching something on TV. I think it is. And she starts oh, was dancing it Modern it. Times? No, no. Modern Times is when he's in the theater with everyone about to talk to Thomas Wayne in the bathroom. There's a scene when he's watching Shall We Dance which is a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie I watched recently for the first time. And it kind of goes into this movie. Uh, there's a scene very early on when he, uh, Fred Astaire goes down in, in, in the depths of the ship and hangs out with all the workers who are all black and are just having a good time singing and dancing and playing their instruments. And it's like, well, they're also in, in the depths of the ship and they're probably not actually happy, but because it's a Fred Astaire movie, we're going to pretend they're happy. I think that's kind of what this movie is trying to deal with. Like, 
I don't know. You mean some voice, the voiceless, when the voiceless in the 30s were having to pretend to be happy all the time. But I, I thought you were going to say the moment when he actually shoots the gun and it leaves the hole in the wall. And the mom's like, what happened? He's that like, oh, very I was much. Watching a war movie. Again, watching Taxi Driver and this back to back. It's it's really funny because that scene was a straight up taken from that, except he actually shoots the gun in this one, making it look. Yeah. I guess in that sense, it does make him look a little pathetic in that scene, whereas the, original, the gun like, didn't necessarily do it. Yeah. But which I think is the point. Like he's he doesn't mean to be a monster at first. And then he slowly embraces it. I think De Niro in Tax Drive is more about machismo and toxic masculinity. Which I think you get a lot less of that in this one. But the thing is, I feel like it's very easy for again, this is why I call this an incel movie. It's very easy for people to give them say like put themselves in joker's shoes when they haven't experienced any of the strife and be like oh i'm the victim but then is that the movie's fault kind of you present a picture you present a picture which i'm sorry it's it's more accurate than i'd like it to be it's not in your control who sees it and how they react to it see the thing is people also watch taxi driver and there were people who took the wrong message from that but i still think that works better because even though it's presenting that it still has a point of view about it sure like it was so telling in that movie that he takes he finally goes on like a movie date with the girl and he takes her to a porno yeah he doesn't Uh, know how to talk to women he doesn't know boundaries Arthur doesn't either in this one. I, but I don't know. you get a lot wa- more sympathy wonder, for Joker in this one, which well, is what I really don't like. What do you think would have happened if Taxi Driver came out? And it's impossible. What, what if Taxi Driver came out today instead of Joker? What do you mean? Would the incels, would the incels glam onto it in the same way one made with Joker? Uh, yeah. But like, I still would think that's a better movie. Because if you're actually re, because again, I feel like the added absence of sympathy for the main character is very important to, for that, because like, yeah. But again, I do think that's why this movie's trying. What this brings to it, that tax driver doesn't. That's why you do this movie. And then it's a question: Should you? I don't know if you should. Again. What what this movie feels like it's doing is it's saying, oh, you should feel bad for this person because they have a mental illness. Which is like, oh, because you have a mental illness, you're this type of I asshole. Think, I think that's one of the many reasons you should feel bad for Arthur in the beginning. In the beginning. Well, we are far from the beginning now. I think this is the end of our conversation on Joker. Any final thoughts? We, we got what we fucking deserve, I guess, as a society. Why is Mark Marin in this movie? I love Mark Marin. He pops up. He's like the, the director of the Murray show. Oh. Well, we had a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings. And 
I think we need a second to calm down and take a break. We have laws and orders, laws and orders to do, laws and orders, laws and orders, laws and orders, laws and orders. A Dick Wolf production. Dick Wolf. Doodoo. We are back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is going to be some fun, all right? We had a little seriousness there earlier with the Joker conversation. But, but now you it's know the what? comedy. Now we're a comedy. It's going to be real funny because you know what's funny? imperfections and pawan we what do we do with blemishes we we spit on them and then we laugh in their face until they shine uh, and then the blemishes come back and they stab us in the eye with a pair of scissors and smash it into the wall but you know what we're not there yet so let's fix those those blemishes laugh at them what? what you got for us today how am i fixing joker you ask first off as mentioned, Brian Tyree Henry, Zazie Beats, both in this movie, both minor roles. And you know what? I think we have to get the full Atlanta cast in here. So the two cops, uh, the two cops were played by Bill Camp and, oh man, I just had it open and I had the other dude's name, the other dude's name right here. Bill Camp, Bill Camp, very talented man. I'm on the Bill Camp train now after watching Queen's Gambit. But I guess he's gone. He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. I'm sorry. Speaking, he doesn't need this. Side maybe tangent. if he didn't do this, maybe he didn't do this. He'd have another episode of Queen's Gambit. Side tangent. Did you hear they're making a Queen's Gambit board game? Oh, I thought you meant the musical. Um, hmm. <laughs> huh. <laughs> you know, we live in a society. <laughs> Sis, Glenn Flesh, no. That's wrong. Bill Camp and Shay Wickham. Bill Camp and Shea Wickham will now be replaced by Donald Glover and Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith will be playing the same exact role he played in Knives Out that year. So that our two detectives are, are rounding up the uh, Atlanta cast. Mm-hmm. Next up, there's a scene when the uh, Wall Street men fight uh, and are killed by Arthur. Early on, they start singing a song to Arthur. Juan, are you familiar with the song? what song it was it's called send in the clowns it's a sondheim song they mm-hmm. saw this clown and were like hey we know all the words to steven sondheim song so let's sing this musical theater song to this clown and i think huh a little on the nose a little on the nose with the clowns there so what if they sing another sondheim song another sondheim song and Poan, i googled the most famous Sondheim song, and I don't know where I opened it. I'm not as prepared for this as I thought I was. You're not as premiered for this? I'm not as premiered for it at all. And so he gave me a list of of songs, one of which is from the musical Pacific Overtures. Okay. It's called Someone in a Tree. Who's in a tree? I don't know. Never heard of this song. But the Wall Street men will be singing 
someone in a tree to Joker in that scene on the subway car. Final fix. All right. Everyone's in front of that theater where they're watching Modern Times. And Joker, uh, Arthur, sneaks in and comes out with a disguise. It's like, oh, fun disguise. And so in this scene, it turns into the video game Hitman. You ever play Hitman? Hitman is a lot of fun disguises. You, you put on a disguise, enter a new room, and you sneak around the room. And so it will literally turn into something like it. You know that scene in Bo Burnham's Inside? You ever watch that? Sometimes. Wait. Turns, wait. <laughs> Just, you know, when I want to go to sleep, but want to cry while I sleep. Uh, the scene when he's like the video game version of himself will be kind of like that. But with like the UI and the heads up display of Hitman. And just like Hitman, Arthur will accidentally kill people. Not meaning to. Banana peels everywhere uh, using wet floor signs to just bludgeon people with. Yeah. And then so he'll have to hide them. He might have to turn into mulch. But he does what he has to do as, as Joker. And so we have the Hitman game within the scene. And then... It ends when he enters the, the, the auditorium and walks down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Those are my fixes. Okay. Atlanta, Sondheim, Hitman. Those are some pretty good fixes. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I got a thing or two myself. Let me just pull up Ooh. a couple of informations. Maybe a, a joker up your sleeve. See what I did. See what I did there. You you said typically the name of the movie. It's typically an ace. It's typically an ace up your sleeve. But I, I I took I took the joke. I workshopped it in my head, and changed it into a joker. So so we know, we know that uh, Robert De Niro is in this movie, and um, his name is a uh, Marty, or something like that in this movie. But you know what? What what is Murray? his name? Murray, whatever. Yeah, there you go. But you know what? That's that's not connected to anything. Where's the significance in a name like Murray? No, no, no. What his name should be. Oh. What what that character's name is is Rupert Pupkin. Oh, that's not what I thought you were doing. See, this is he. That character is the same uh, fledgling comedian from the King of Comedy. You see, after the end of that movie, he finally made it. And now he's a he's a uh, late night host. Other idea? May I, may I toss another idea? And you oh, I got. Do? Trust me, I, I got I got other stuff. No, me, but but this add. with this. Okay, 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 go. Okay, so also maybe before he go like, there's a scene we need to add a scene where maybe he's in a taxi on his way to the show, <laughs> and uh, he get he runs into another titular character uh, from. Uh, Robert De Niro's canon, Travis Bickle, also played by Robert De Niro. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has a conversation with him and like Travis Bickle, of course, gives him the Joker medicines and like oh. lets him know, lets him know what's going on. Like they have a conversation where Travis Bickle is like, you know, I, I, I was tired of New York City. It was filled with dirty, dirty people and everything. And like, I thought I'd make a new start at Gotham only to find it's just the same. And then Joker man's like, I hear you, man. I hear you. I'm on my way to kill this man for you real quick. And then, so like, you might be asking yourself at this point, wait, you're having two characters played by Robert De Niro 
in the same movie played by Robert De Niro? How is that possible? Well, you see, what's going to happen is um, uh, throughout the movie, we see there are moments where we see uh, Joker man taking his medicine and maybe not taking his medicine as time permits and like medicine amounts permit. What the medicine is that he is in the movie currently is just the normal like circular white pills, right? We're going to replace okay. it with blue pills. Because he is in his own version of the Matrix. That's why he's seeing multiple Robert De Niro's. There's a glitch in the Matrix. And um, and uh, that scene where uh, he's in the cab, uh, Travis Bickle hands him one of the blue pills, and that's how he's calm enough. That's how he becomes soy boy enough to uh, actually go through with his plan. Because, see, the, the inclusion of the blue pill isn't just to make another reference. This is to fight back against the incel red pill audience. Because wow. they are not going to associate with someone who takes the blue pill. What's wrong with them? They wouldn't do that. Mm. So, yes, in this movie, Joker, to become the true incel, he takes the blue pill throughout. He keeps going the wrong route. And that's how he becomes Joker. What about De Niro's role from New York, New York, Scorsese's musical film? See, the thing is, we're not, we're not, we're not in New York. And if it's a musical, I, I think that character might be too happy being in New York what about, to go to Gotham. What about The Irishman? That's like 30 years from now. I'm bringing these up because they're in the exact same timeline, the same right. years. Makes sense. I'll be honest. For a second, I thought you were going to say Travis Bickle was the host of the new show. That's like, yeah. I came, knew you were going for that. He became so famous from being such a hero that everyone just gave him everything he wanted. But no, I think that's that's an incredible fix, and we finally get the Matrix franchise in the club. Yeah, mm -hmm. so Friend of the podcast from last week's Toy Story 4, Carrie Ann Moss is not yet. Let's get Carrie Ann in this. So, yeah, those are my fixes. I think we got some good fixes, Pawn. Some solid fixes. But, you know... Throw all that out the wrong. window. Maybe they're not solid fixes because it's like comedy. It's like subjective. It's like this movie itself, but not really, because this movie is a comedy and comedy is subjective. But this movie, but that's what Joker thinks this movie is. It's actually a tragedy, which is objective. So now we got to talk about objective facts. So we're talking about tragedies now? Well, let's rank Joker on the list of billion dollar movies based off of science. Science. All right. Ah, it's open here. Wait, can you see it? There we go. All right. All right. As we do, there's a coin and it shall be flipped. Heads. Wait, no, tails. I'm going full Joker. I'm right. confused. For you said a different thing before. Should we do it again? I feel like we need to redo yes, it. Yes, I'll do tails. And on heads. Is this your official call? Yes. Right. I'm Joker. Says, tails. We're flipping the coin. It lands on tails. 
All right, Poan, let's let's see. Last week's film was Toy Story film. Toy Story film. <laughs> oh God, Toy Story four. Is Joker better or worse than Toy Story four? That's a great question. See the thing with you know, Toy they're, Story. They're very four. similar movies. I mean, with my fixes, they were yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, better or worse than Toy Story Four? See, like if it was Incredibles Two, I might say it was better. But right now we're dealing with Toy Story Four. I don't know. I feel like both movies are uh, begging for their own death in a way. Like this movie is a chimera. That's just like and me. Uh, well, let's give it up to the Chimera. Let's uh say it's better. All right, is film better or worse than Star Wars: The Force Awakens? Oof, oof. I will say this film didn't feature Adam Driver punching walls. So I'm going to have to say worse. Okay. Does he punch a wall in Force Awakens? I know what movie you're talking about, but does he punch a wall in Force Awakens? Yeah, with his helmet. Okay. All right. So. That oh, no. He means... definitely, like, hits walls as Kylo Ren also. That happens sure, sure. a lot. Sure. So a min of 15 and a max of 16 is very exciting. And generate the placement of Joker. Juan, tell me when to press. Now. Number 15 is Joker. I'm not that upset about that, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I was kind of hoping the f- number one spot was still available. <laughs> yeah. But science. What can you do with science? Looks oh, like we weren't we, ready for a true Joker moment. You know, we could do with science. Recap it. Let's recap the list. At number 47, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Uh, number 46, Johnny Depp 2. Three. Edward? Four. Big Fish. Same Big Fish. Alice. He's, he's a mad hatter. He does the futter whackings. Number 45 to Poan, oh, you can't photo whacking in public. What are you talking about? Number 45, Toy Story 3. Uh, number 44, number one in our hearts and in money, Avatar. 43, Spider Man Far From Home. And number 42, Aladdin, parentheses, four numbers, close parentheses. 41, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Uh, number 40, Avengers, the James Spader one. 39, Despicable Me 3. Uh, 38, Transformers, Dinosaurs. 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Uh, 36, Captain Marvel. 35, Captain America, Civil War. Uh, 34, Star Wars Episode I, the Darth Maul one. 33, The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, 32, The Dark Knight Stays Where It Is. 31, Marvel's The Avengers. Uh, 30, Many Ons. Number 29, The Lion King, 2019. Uh, 28, The Hobbit. 
and unexpected journey. 27, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. 26, Jurassic Park. 25, Iron Man 3. 24, Falls. 23, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. 22, Jurassic World Alive Kingdom. Tied at number 21, Andrew Stanton's Finding Dory, Jordan Peele's Us, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, John M. Drew's Crazy Rich Asians, and Ron Howard's Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. At number 20, back at it again with the four numbers comes Beauty and the Beast. Number 19, Titanic. Uh, number 17, Toy Story 4. Number 15, Joker. Someone else who enjoys doing the futter whacking right there. <laughs> and number 14, uh, none of these people enjoy the futter whacking. The Incredibles 2. Maybe Dash. No. 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 Number 13, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, number 11, Zootopia. Number 10, Avengers Endgame. Number 9, Black Panther. Number 8, Avengers Infinity War. Number 7, Rojouet 1, A Star Wars Story. Thank God we have a French film on this list. <laughs> number 6, for 8, The Fate of the Furious. Uh, number 5, Star Wars Episode for 8, uh, The Last Jedi. Number four, Aquaman. Uh, number three, the true return of the king. Is there a fake return of the king? Yes. Okay. Number two, Furious 7. And number one, I, I had my suit on and my jewelry on for that one, Skyfall. I had my jewelry on for that one. We are near the end of the list. Three more weeks. Three more movies to talk about. One and of which is next week's movie, Frozen 2. And sadly, uh, we did not have enough time to get feedback in from the previous episode. So next, next week, we'll have uh, feedback from both uh, Toy Story 4 and Joker. If you want to leave a comment or email us, let us know. What's that email? Billion Dollar Movie Club at gmails.com. Yeah. And uh, leave your comments for Toy Story 4, Joker, or, or future comments. Tell us about Frozen 2 before we talk about Frozen 2. This was the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Every week we talk about movies that made a lot of money. Uh, remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. One can follow say on movies the social. that made three commas. Oh. Tres commas. <gasps> Trace, we are multilingual today. That's what happens on the Joker episode. This was Joker. Next week is Frozen 2. Shoutouts, as always, to Maxwell Smokio. How many more franchises we got left? All of them. All of them. Name five of them. Uh, Frozen. Yeah. Uh, Disney. Sure. Animation Studios. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Star Wars. We got one of those franchises. The the Skywalker saga specifically as well. <laughs> I don't think that's a franchise. I think that's a saga. No, that's that's a franchise. Uh and I'll take uh, your word for it. The Harry Pot. Oh, I love HGTV. <laughs> and I ain't talking Muppets. We'll see you next week. Let, let us let us know in the comments down below which one which uh, Muppet you think is the Harry Pot.
Bye. I always thought my life was a tragedy, but now I'm realizing it's a comedy. Hello.